Good morning. It is uh, great to be here this morning. Got a call from uh, Nick earlier this week, and he said, "Are you ready? <clears throat> can you can you go?" And I said, "Sure." And uh, I, I'm uh, grateful uh, for that phone call. Uh, my wife and I uh, have attended here a few times, but we had uh, attended because we know Nick. Uh, my wife actually grew up in uh, the high school ministry when Nick was in high school in uh, Northern California, and so we uh, uh, have that relationship with him, and it's neat that he's up here. Uh, we are so glad uh, for the, the path that uh, God has chosen for him and his wife and his family, and we're so excited for them and can't wait to... Uh, to hear their story when they get back from uh, Thailand. Uh, again, my name is Brian Balon. I'm the executive director of Black Lake Bible Camp, just about 20 minutes down the road from here. Uh, I've been there for going on nine years, uh, now at the uh, end of this next summer. I started as the guest services director and moved into the uh, marketing and development uh, position, and then about a year, a little over a year ago, moved into the executive director position. So I've been climbing the ladder, stepping on who I have to to get here, and now I'm, and now I'm here. God has been uh, very uh, gracious to my family, and I'm so thankful that he's brought us up here to uh, the Olympia area, and uh, so grateful to be in this position. I'm just loving every, every minute of my job, and I love to be part of the ministry of Black Lake Bible Camp. Um, I heard a couple things in the announcements. First of all, I really want to know, how do you get one of the pies delivered to your house? <laughs> what do you have to write on the card to get a pie, rather than a phone call? Because it... What's that? I want a pie? <laughs> it's that easy? <laughs> That's great. And, and the second thing was uh, the announcement about the everyday church. I just think that's the coolest thing. Uh, my wife and I came from a, a, a big church in uh, Northern California. It's probably, they, built, they just built a brand new building when we were there, and there was probably about, I don't know, five, 6,000 people in the church, and it was, it was a big one. And there was a big banner in the back of the church that when you walked out from the Sunday morning service, there was a big banner that said something like, I can't remember exactly the exact words, but basically the whole purpose was to empty the church. Because I don't want you spending your, your week in here in Bible studies. I don't want your women's ministries here every minute of the week. I don't want you here. I want you out in the community. I want you to get on your PTA boards. I want you to be part of the city council. I want you to go and help do whatever you can in the community, because that's where you're going to make a difference. You're not going to make a difference sitting in the classrooms here in this church all week long. And so when I heard that, it reminded me of that, and I think that's just the most awesome thing. If you can become a part of your community, that's where you're going to have the greatest influence. And I just think that's pretty cool. Um, I'm going to share a little bit this morning from Colossians chapter 3. So you can uh, prep your Bibles and just get there, uh, and we'll read it in just a, a little bit. Um, I have a background in radio. When I graduated from high school, I wanted to be a dentist. And uh, so I started taking some biology classes, and then I realized I'm not going to be a dentist. I've got to find something easier to do. <laughs> I'm not that bright. And so uh, my mom says, well, you know, I just heard of this radio station opened up downtown. Why don't you go and volunteer some time there and just hang out in communications and see maybe if that's the direction you want to go. And so I went and I volunteered, and I thought I was going to get into radio sales and sell advertising, and I thought that was going to be a fantastic career. And, and the lady that I uh, had met, she says, yeah, why don't you come in every morning at 5 o'clock, Monday through Friday, you can sweep the floors and kind of clean up the radio station, then you can pull the day's music, and you can see how the radio business works. And so I did that for a while. And this is, up, this is uh, in Alaska. That's where I grew up in Alaska. And uh, <clears throat> so I did that for a while, and she says, how would you like to be on the radio? And I was like, I don't think so. 
I, I, have, I have a really wimpy voice, and, and I did at the time. I was very shy. And uh, she says, just, I, I have one hour that I need to be filled. I have somebody that's going to be gone, and I have an hour. And I was like, okay, I think I could do an hour. It was like midnight to one o'clock in the morning on a Sunday morning. And so she prepped me for like a month. There was this little studio off to the side, and I would go in there every day, and I'd pretend like I was on the radio, and I'd record myself, and it was awful. And I don't know why she let me do this. But anyhow, so the night came when I was on the radio for the first time, and I remember sitting there, standing there at the, the control panel, and my heart was about going to jump out of my chest. And the radio station was in a strip mall, so it was surrounded by windows, and all my friends were parked in, in the parking lot right in front of me, watching me with their radios on in their cars. And midnight came, and I turned the mic on, and I stumbled through some, some something, and uh, was nervous as could be. I was actually awful. But anyway, she said, uh, how, did you have fun at the end? I said, yeah, I had fun. And uh, I don't know if I'd ever want to do it again, but she goes, well, why don't you just do like an hour a week? And so I did an hour a week, and then, and then she gave me two hours and three hours and four hours, and then I moved to Sacramento and got into a better radio station, and, and so it was just, it was tons of fun. So that's a little bit of my background. And then I got into, got into the Christian book industry, and I managed a Christian bookstore for uh, uh, several years in Northern California, and that was a great thing. And the reason I tell you these things is because God has prepared me for certain events in my life. Um, he has... Uh, I think he got me into radio to get me out of my shell because I was just a really shy guy and he knew that I would need to, to do something different and, and that got me out of that. And then he moved me into the Christian book industry and I learned a little bit about business and I learned a little bit about management, learned how to deal with people and, and uh, just handle the stresses of everyday business. And, and so I went through about eight years of managing a Christian bookstore. And then I got into youth ministry and was a youth director at a couple of churches in, in California uh, both of them not real good experiences. Great experiences with the kids, but not good experiences in the church. Uh, and so it was like, God, why did you bring us through that? That was just weird. I, don't, I didn't enjoy that at all. Uh, I enjoyed the kids, but I just did not enjoy the experience of those two, church, those two churches. And so my wife and I decided to pray and fast, because and, we didn't know. We just bought a house, and uh, we're like, oh, what are we going to do? I, I, I'm no longer at either of these churches, and, and uh, <clears throat> we're going to pray and fast for a week. And so the first night of the fast, uh, my wife wakes up in the middle of the night and, and uh, she says, I really had an oppressive dream, a spiritually oppressive dream, will you pray with me? And so we prayed together in the middle of the night. She fell back to sleep, and if you know me, I can't go back to sleep once I wake up. So I went downstairs and just started surfing the internet, looking for jobs. What am I going to do? Lord, where are you taking us? And somehow I come, came across Black Lake Bible Camp. Next day I said, what do you think about camping ministry? And she says, well, maybe this is the Lord's direction, why don't you call? So I called, and we were up, drove up the next weekend for an interview, and ended up taking the job, and now I'm standing here today. That was about nine years, almost nine years ago now. So that's a little bit about us in a nutshell. Uh, lots more details than that, which really make, may have made the first uh, almost 15 years now of our marriage uh, very exciting. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to be here with you today. I want to start off uh, this morning as we uh, enter into God's Word just in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to come and share your word. I pray, God, that you would uh, make your word come alive to us. I pray that you would just bring the words off of the page and uh, really um, transform us and make us into the people that you want us to be, godly people. Help us to realize truths maybe that we hadn't noticed before or uh, inspire us to better things, a better way of living, a godly lifestyle. I thank you for every person that's in this uh, building this morning here to worship you and 
thank you for that. We just pray these things in Christ's name. Um, when, I, uh, when I finished up high school, uh, one of my friends uh, lived downtown Anchorage. I lived up on the hillside, and he called me one Saturday and said, hey, will you come to church with me? Uh, this tomorrow, and I said, well, sure, and I, I can't remember why he asked me to do that. It was quite a while ago. I can't remember why he asked me to go to church, but I said, sure, I'll come with you, and so I asked another one of my friends who lived up on the hillside with me, hey, do you want to go down to uh, Marisa's church, and uh, I can't remember what's happening, but he said, sure, so we drove down there. We uh, walked up to the door of the church, and they promptly turned us both away and said that we were not allowed in because we were both wearing jeans, and uh, we, were, uh, we were in 501s. I had a nice shirt on and a nice Nice jacket and decent shoes, and, but they, we were wearing jeans, and they did not allow jeans in their church. <clears throat> and uh, I remember we got in the car, and we were just angry. Our righteous anger started to boil, and we complained and griped all the way home. And, and uh, it just really made me, made me sad for them because they were more interested in what I looked like on the outside than what was going on on the inside. Well, Paul addresses something like this in Scripture in Colossians chapter 3 today. And if I had to title this, I would title this message, What Exactly Is It That a Christian Should Wear to Worship? And if you'd stand with me this morning, let's read God's Word together. Colossians chapter 3, we'll read, I think, the first 14 verses, if I remember correctly. Since then, you have been raised with Christ, and I want you to really pay attention as we read here, because this is very, very rich. You have been raised with Christ. Think about that for just a second. He's talking to you believers. You've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You, Christian, follower of Christ, you used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. And he gives another list here. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lies from your lips. Do not lie to one another, for you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on your new self, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And now we get to the sweet spot of the scripture. Therefore, as God's chosen people, let that sink in for a moment. As God's chosen people, he chose you, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You may be seated. See, most people uh, dress for the event that they're getting ready to attend. If you were 
getting married today and you were a young lady and you were ready to devote your life to your soon-to-be spouse, you would put on this beautiful white dress. And if you were a young man getting married, you would have on your best suit or your tuxedo or whatever it happens to be, you would dress for that event. If you're going to the beach and you're walking out on the sands, you would have something quite different on, wouldn't you? If you're going to a funeral, you would dress one way. If you're going to work, you would dress whatever was appropriate for your job. If you're going to play baseball, you'd have your baseball uniform on. You would dress according to the event that you were going to participate in, wouldn't you? It would be pretty foolish of you to go to your wedding dressed as if you're going to the beach, or if you're going to a funeral dressed as if you were getting ready to take the field at a baseball game. It would be pretty inappropriate to wear those things. But the difference here is that Paul is actually speaking about a lifestyle and of, of, of your entire life, a lifestyle 24-7, not just a one-time event like these events are. Paul talks about some amazing things here. He talks about living a holy life, worship through a holy life. And the first thing I think about when I hear the word worship is the American church has really done us a disservice with the word worship, I think. I don't think it was until I was in my mid-20s that I heard that worship was anything other than the singing portion of a service. I've been in church since I was probably five or six years old, and I don't remember anybody ever telling me that worship was anything other than just singing a song, because that's what we call it. We call it worship. Paul says that's not what worship is. Worship is a lot more than just singing songs. And half the time I think we sing, and it's not really worship, it's just singing. But we need to take this lifestyle of worship a little uh, different, a little more seriously. He talks about living a holy life. And if you flip, I'll, I'll just flip quickly to 1 Peter chapter 1. Starting in verse 13 is one of my favorite verses here in Scripture too. Therefore, prepare your minds for action and be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform yourselves to the former lusts, as we're in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Talking about living a holy life. Talking about not going back to where we were before we came to Christ. Even in in, uh, Colossians chapter 3, he says, You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, after listing off sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. You used to live in those ways, Christians, in the life you once lived, but now you should be different. Your life should look differently. Worship should show itself in in your everyday life in the way you respond to one another, in the way you treat each other, even in the things that nobody can see, the inside motives and thoughts that you have, should be worshipful to God. It shouldn't just be about the songs that you're singing. But Paul starts in chapter 3 reminding us, first of all, who we are. He says, you know what? You, and again, he's talking to you followers of Jesus, Christians, you have been raised with Christ. This is your position You have been raised with Christ. So you know what? Set your minds and your hearts on things above. Stop stop being so devoted and so invested in this world that your hearts and your minds aren't set on where your allegiance and your citizenship is. 
Did you know that you are not a citizen of this world? We are strangers and aliens in this place, Scripture says. Are you so invested in this place that you cringe when you think about leaving it? I hope not. I can hardly wait to get to heaven. It's not like I'm trying to knock the doors down and get there right now. But I, you know, when it's time, it's time. I am ready to go. Don't stop me. I think it's going to be the most fantastic thing you've ever, you could ever imagine beyond your imagination. That's where your allegiance should be. That's where your citizenship is. If you go back one page from Colossians to Philippians chapter uh, 3, verse 17, Paul says this. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those living according to the pattern we gave you. For I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, he's pretty passionate about this, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Does that sound familiar? His next sentence, but our citizenship is in heaven. There's a difference between us and the world. Their God is their stomach. I mean, all they care about is just fulfilling their desires, pleasing themselves with the next thing, whatever it may be. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Just turn on TV or watch any movies and... You can see lots of people glorying in their shame. Where is your allegiance today? If it's to this world, you need to break free of that as quickly as possible. You have to understand who you are, and you have to understand what king it is that you're serving. Earlier, you're talking about some missionaries that you support in Japan. I think about missionaries when I think about this illustration because we are citizens of the United States of America, aren't we? When you are a missionary and you head to Japan or you head to the Congo or you head to China, when you touch down on foreign soil, it doesn't mean that you're a citizen of that country, does it? They're still citizens of the United States. And it's the same with us. Our citizenship is in heaven. We are not citizens of this world. And we have to understand that. We have to know that. We are ambassadors of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are here to live lives worthy of him and pleasing to him while we're here. And while we're here, as we worship, Paul lays out some things that we need to do. Since you've been raised with Christ, I want you to set your your hearts on things above. Your hearts should be in tune with Jesus. Set your minds on things above. You should be thinking about things that are good and pure and holy and true. If we could broadcast your thoughts up here on the screen from the last week, there probably wouldn't be very many people in here today. I don't think there'd be any people in here today. <laughs> but would, would it show that your, even your thought life, the things that people can't see, that even those things are focused on Christ? That even in your thought life, you worship God. And it's not just this outward thing that you do so other people can see it. So let's bring this back just a little bit. First of all, we need to understand the event we're attending. It's this life of worship that we're in. And now we need to know what it is that we need to wear to this life of worship. But first, let's talk about the things we're not to wear. 
Paul gives us a big list here. He says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. You ever consider yourself an idolater? You ever been greedy? You ever want more and more and more of something that just is worthless? God says through Paul, that's idolatry. We live in a hypersexual culture right now. Everywhere. Ads in the mall. I, I can't even stand taking my kids to the mall anymore. We walk by some of those big, huge ads on the walls or wherever they might be. Even watching the Disney Channel, I, I, I can't stand it. Some of those teen Disney Channel shows, it's just, you know, I've got a four-year-old, six-year-old, and ten-year-old who think Disney is the greatest thing in the world, and you turn on the G- Disney Channel, and some of these shows, I just like, it's just so inappropriate. But yet we become so comfortable with it, we just don't care, and because we need something for them to do, we just let them watch, and I've decided not to do that. We have to be very wise in this culture today, and I, I really challenge you not to be comfortable with it. Don't allow it into your life just because it's slowly creeped in. Don't be like that frog in the boiling water that doesn't even realize it's going to die soon. Impurity. Your thoughts and your motives, those things way down deep within you, are they, do you have pure motives today? Are they godly motives? Are they God-honoring motives in your life that cause you to do whatever, go to work, or whatever it is that you do? Lust for things, for power, for fame, for position, whatever it is, does that lust for fill-in-the-blank in your life hold you in bondage? Evil desires, what are your desires today? Do they line up with the desires of God? If not, I would consider them evil. Greed, something you put on a pedestal that you just cannot get enough of. The thing you hold up as an idol. And it might even be something good, but you worship it, and it's not God. See, I grew up as a Christian thinking that when, or I grew up thinking that when I became a Christian, God would remove all these things from my life. I won't have to worry about uh, impure thoughts. I won't have to worry about my motives anymore. God is going to transform me, and I'm going to be different. But you know what? God says through Paul here that I have a responsibility. He says, "Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature." It doesn't say, "I'm going to remove these things from your life when you become a follower of Jesus." He says, put them to death. Think about uh, if you go hunting, you take your bear or your moose or your elk or your deer or whatever it is, you take that thing down, you kill it. At, one point, at, one po- at what point does it come back to life? It doesn't. And God is saying through Paul here in Colossians again, put to death these things that they may not come back to life in you again because you used to live in these ways. It's our responsibility, along with the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes on uh, with another list here, because he's not done yet. He says, but now, in verse 8, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lies from your lips. If you notice, this is actually a, a progression here. Imagine you're at the office or you're at school or you're at church or wherever you happen to be and somebody makes you angry. 
And whatever that might be, it, it just kind of festers inside of, you, inside of you and you don't take care of it. That anger just slowly builds up day after day, week after week, until one day you have an uncontrollable outburst and rage takes over. So you go from anger to your uncontrollable outburst of rage and still nothing happens and it's not resolved. You blow up and there's a big argument and this continues on and now you want something bad to happen to this person. Oh, I don't want to work with this person anymore. I don't want this person to be in my class. I don't want this person to be on the elder board of my church any longer. And so you become malicious. And now you want something bad to happen to them. And so the way you do that is the next step. You start to slander them. You gather your army of people around you and you start to point fingers at them and say, did you know that? I can't believe they... And you build this army of people around you so they can all feel the same way you do. And now it's all of us against them. And through the slander and through this talk, all of a sudden the filthy language and the lies start pouring from your mouth. Do you see the progression here? It's amazing. God says through Paul, you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to one another. Why? Because you've taken off the old self and you've put on the new. And then we get to the, the sweet spot in verse 12 in Colossians chapter 3 where, it says, where God starts to tell you, here's all the things that I want you to wear to worship. We talked about the things now that we want you to take off, that we want you to remove from your life, but here's the things that I want you to wear now. And this is so very important. But first, before he gives us the list, he tells us three things about ourselves that we do not deserve at all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, he's chosen you today. He's picked you out by name and said, I want you. I want you. I want you. Brian, I want you. He's chosen you by name. You have to understand that if you don't get that, your Christian life will be very difficult because you don't know where your worth comes from and your value comes from. Your value comes from God. He has chosen you today. And then he says, not only that, but you are holy. Christians, follower of Jesus, followers of Jesus, you are holy. Wow. It's not because of anything that I have done or you have done because we cannot do anything to make ourselves holy. It is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. That when God sees you, he sees his son and he, and he calls you holy. You're chosen and you're holy and you're dearly loved. Dearly loved. It's amazing. We don't deserve that. I do not deserve to be standing here today sharing God's word. I do not deserve to be the executive director of Black Lake Bible Camp. I do not deserve my wife or my children. I don't deserve any of those great blessings in my life. I don't deserve any of it at all. I deserve the wrath of God. But God has been massively gracious to me and probably to you too. I would venture to guess. Well, here's what he wants you to put on. 
He wants you to put on compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and he wants you to bear with one another and forgive one another. That's what he wants you to wear. That's what he wants you to look like when you're out in the community doing everyday church. What does compassion look like? Is it, does it look like this? Oh, Sally, I am so sorry that's happening to you. Oh, that is such a bummer. Oh, I feel for you. I'm going to think about you this week, and I'll pray for you too. Good luck. Is that compassion? That's pity, but not compassion. Compassion would be, Sally, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Your kids need a ride to work every, or a ride to school every day this week because your car broke down. I'm going to make sure I'm going to change my work schedule, and I'm going to make sure that I get your kids to school every day, and I'll just I'll figure it out. You need groceries? I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy you some groceries. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to help you with your problem. That's compassion. Compassion is an action. It's not pity. And we often mistake it as, as, feel, as a feeling towards somebody else. I feel compassion towards you. Compassion is something you do. And God is saying, I want you to clothe yourselves with compassion and serve each other. And then I want you to be kind. You know what? Just plain be nice people. You know, I, when I worked in radio, I worked a lot out in the world and with a lot of different people, and everybody's pretty nice. There's some grouches out there, but everybody's pretty nice. But then I became uh, the manager of the Christian bookstore, and I did that for about eight years, and I tell you, Christians were the worst customers I ever had. They were awful. They griped and complained, and they demanded discounts, and it was just, you've got to be kidding me. There was like this entitlement that they, that they wanted, and they were the worst. They were not nice people. If you made a mistake on imprinting their Bible, they would blow up. It was the end of the world, and they were going to let you know it. Pastors would come in and say, don't you know who I am? I am the pastor of blah, 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 and I should be getting a discount for this, you know, whatever. And I tell you, I just, it, it made me very... I started to get very jaded at Christian customers because they were not nice. The world can be nice to each other, but boy, once you become a Christian and you start dealing with each other, the talons come out. It's awful. Paul, or God says through Paul in Colossians, be nice people. Go out of your way to be nice. And when somebody screws something up for you, they screw up the imprint on your Bible, or they scratch your car, or they do whatever, you know what? Be nice. The world sees us as grouchy people filled with anger and resentment and bitterness and why would they want to be a part of that? Humility. Know who you are in the presence of our great God. In Revelation chapter 4 and 5, it gives us a fantastic picture of the throne room of God. And just imagine that when you approach God's throne in prayer... You were there. If the, if the invisible could become visible and you could see that throne room and the legions of angels and the elders, you would fall flat on your face and you would not look up at that throne. You could not. But yet sometimes in prayer we kick the door down and we start demanding things from God. I want this and I want this and I want this and I want this and we're very casual about it. But if the, if the invisible could become visible, we would have a very different approach to God. Read Revelation chapter 4 and 5 and check out that throne room picture because you'll have a different 
thought every time you enter prayer as you stand before that throne. It's fantastic. Be humble before God. Be gentle, soft-hearted towards people. Stop being so hard and callous with others. Be gentle towards them. Be patient with them and stop expecting perfection from everybody. Be patient with people. Stop being so demanding. Bear with one another. Extend grace to one another. You know, if somebody at at work blows it, I can hardly wait to show grace to them because they don't expect it. They expect to be pounded on. They expect to be fired. They expect to be whatever. It's awesome to show grace. Why? Because God showed grace to me. How could I ever do anything other than that? Because look what God has done for me and for you. How could you, at any time when somebody fails you, how could you berate them and knock them down when you could show grace to them like God has shown grace to you? And forgive one another as God has forgiven you. The same thing. How can you go through life because it says no matter what, whatever it is, How can you go through life with an unforgiving spirit when God has extended forgiveness toward you? When you sin against him every single day. And sometimes we purposefully even push him away when it's convenient for us and then we come back a little bit later when it's convenient for us. God has forgiven us. He's offered us grace. He's compassionate towards us. He's all these things to us. How can we do anything else in our life than this list of things here. So, what is it that your spiritual, that the tag on your spiritual clothes reads today? If I could walk behind you and flip up your spiritual shirt, what would it say? Would it say sexually immoral, impure, filled with evil desires, greedy, idolater, anger, angry, filled with rage, malicious, slanderous, liar. Is that what your clothes say today? Because God says through Paul in Colossians, take, about, take it off. Go and throw them in a big pile and burn them. Kill them. Don't be known for them. When somebody says my name in a crowd somewhere where I'm not, I hope that the first thought is, oh man, that guy's a greedy pig. That guy's immoral. I hope those are not the things that people think about when my name is mentioned. And I hope you, church, don't find that same thing. But what I hope they find, and what I hope I would find is if I was able to walk around and look at your tag on your spiritual shirt, I hope it would say compassionate, nice person, gentle, kind, patient. This person bears with one another and is forgiving. Wow. Those are the clothes that we need to wear to worship. Because like has been said already today, it's everyday church. Every day. Wherever you are, it's not just right now. It's every day. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for Colossians chapter 3. It is uh, very convicting to me as I struggle with these things too, along with the rest of us. Lord, may we be empowered by your Holy Spirit 
to remove these things that we have just not taken the time to remove. May we take responsibility for putting to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. And may we get rid of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from our lips. May we not lie to one another. But may we be compassionate people, nice people, gentle, humble, patient. May we bear with one another and may we forgive each other. And we do all of these things because we love you so much. We know, Lord, that if we just become people that do these things to earn your favor or whatever, that we'll just be a nice person. That's it. But Lord, may we put on these spiritual clothes. May we become new people who have a great impact on our community. May they see a difference in us because we love you and because we love the people that you've created. Thank you, Lord, for this time this morning. I thank you for the opportunity and the gift to be able to come and speak. Thank you for everybody in this room. I pray that you would uh, touch our hearts and change us through the reading of your word together. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.